Hey guys, just a quick note before we begin that the show may contain spoilers and adult language, but that's just because we know how to have a good time. Stick around, you'll be glad you did. You are here for me to enlighten you. You ever act like this again, you're barred for life. It's just violent bass. It's kind of embarrassing. If you know you're lying, then you can forget them. Oh, I get it. It's very clever. <laughs> Hello, peoples, and welcome back to another episode of Esoterica Cinema, the podcast where we take films from the cinematic multiverse and discuss the hell out of them. But not today. Today is another bonus episode coming to you live with a man that is next in line to replace Keith Richards and the Rolling Stones, Mr. Jason Peters. What's up, Ryan? How's it going, blokes? How y'all doing on this fine day? How's it going, buddy? Oh, not bad, not bad, yes. Yes, it turns out that, uh, yes, apparently Keith uh, does not have access to the same type of cocaine that he usually does on account of COVID, and so he's not doing so well right now, and uh, they've tasked me to replace him, uh, but they did insist that I begin to speak with, with an English accent. I don't know how well I'm doing, but I'm really trying hard to affect it. Not well, uh, but it, <laughs> it seems to be working out okay for you. Yeah, They're letting you in the band or, you know, I mean, what? <laughs> so, you know, here's the funny thing too, Ryan, is I was actually born in England and it took me like seven years to work the accent out. Uh, because I was actually trying to be a child actor here in the States. That didn't work out so well, but cut to about 30 years later, all of a sudden I got this uh, Keith Richards thing going on. So, so yes, yeah, so this is what I've been working on. Uh, I can also try to, you know, I was thinking of maybe, because I don't need to be Keith Richards, right? I just need to be English. So I was thinking of maybe doing like a, uh, something of like a Hugh Grant from the mid nineties. Like, oh, yes, yes, yes. Uh, how, how, how are you today? Yes, yes. Oh, I'm, I'm so, I'm so, uh, I'm so nervous around here, but oh, oh, I'm still charming, aren't I? Apologetically <laughs> handsome. Yes. Uh- <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Me and my agent were working through a couple of different personas. I don't quite have it yet, but you know, we also kind of, uh. I mean, I'll, I'll go out on a limb and try here for the Cockney, but Ryan, I've been working on this one too, mate. Oh, that's really bad. That's terrible. Yeah. <laughs> that's the worst one I've done yet. Yeah. I mean, if you want to uh, sweep chimneys, I guess you could be a chimney sweep. Um, chim chimmery, chim chimmery, chim chim chiru. Oh, no. Look what I've started for everyone. <laughs> we just lost all our listeners this week. <laughs> <laughs> Ryan, my friend, I'm here to embarrass you. Jason, uh, born in England, came here, child actor, (laughs) named Jason Peters. In the Rolling Stones, you are officially now the whitest person of all time. (laughs) I've been everywhere, man. I've been everywhere. (laughs) All right, guys. So, you know, one of the things that we do here on Esoterica Cinema, obviously, is we look at older films, right? We've got a couple new ones strewn in there, but we really want to look at just sort of the entire purview of cinema in its history from conception to now, right? And so one of the things that we thought might be fun for you guys here today is to uh, take a little sort of uh, old man nostalgia trip down memory lane here. And to help us out with that, uh, we actually brought back a guest of ours who you will remember uh, from last week's episode, actually, from the Green Shirt Podcast, Mr. Cameron Harrison. Welcome, Cameron. Oh, that's me. Thank you so much for having me back, guys. Ah, uh, yes, we enjoyed you so much the first time around that we just had to find a way to get you back here. 
It's really the only thing that my uh, imposter syndrome can't argue with is being invited back to a podcast. So it means a lot. Thank <laughs> you so much. Uh, yeah, and we, uh, we actually are going to call this uh, the 38th chamber, maybe? This <laughs> is the right. 38th chamber. <laughs> the cabin you... in the woods is the 38th chamber. <laughs> and if you don't know what we're talking about, listeners, shame on you. Go back and listen to our episode on uh, – 36th Chamber of Shaolin. I wanted to say enter the 36th Chamber because of the damn Wu-Tang album every single time. (laughs) (laughs) So anyway, so yeah, so it turns out, listeners, that there's a a franchise out there that means a lot to sort of all three of us equally, uh, but in different respects as well. And I have a feeling that for uh, a lot of people in our age range, which we don't need to specify, uh, (laughs) you know, they're going to... Agree with us on this. I feel like this is sort of a pivotal franchise for a lot of people, especially that look at the types of films we do. And that's the Evil Dead franchise uh, by Sam Raimi, of course. And uh, you've got, you know, obviously Evil Evil Dead, Evil Dead 2 and Army of Darkness is the original trilogy. So that's really just like what we're talking about right now. Obviously, they have the TV show and I think they even managed to get like a game in there or something or I know they were working on it. Yeah. Yeah. So which, by the way, there is an Evil Dead 2 board game out there that I really, really want to get, dude. But it's like, wow. Yeah. But I I think it's like already passed its initial run. And so it's like 80 to 100 bucks or something. There is an army of darkness one. Is that the one you're thinking of? No, no. This is like an Evil Dead 2. It's got like the Necronomicon like on the cover and stuff. So it's it's an indie board game. For years for the Army of Darkness one, finally got it, and uh, it plays about as well as you think an Army of Darkness board <laughs> No, it's on the shelf in a spot of honor. The Evil Dead 2 get a Ouija. well-received, actually, so, but... Oh, okay. Yeah. What would you got, Ryan? Just get a Ouija board. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. Recreate the Just film. Just summon... Yeah, yeah. I mean, let's get right to it. (laughs) Let's not dick around here. Let's just get right to it. Absolutely. Talk to. We need to talk to Graham Graham. (laughs) Got to be a Ouija board made of human flesh, though, and inked in human blood. (laughs) Hey, I know a guy. I know a guy. Ryan is in Florida, dude. He can get you that, no problem. (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) Pennies on the dollar, even. Um, Yep. So yeah. So you know, uh, like I said, this this is a franchise that means a lot to the three of us. And I guess for a minute, you know, we just kind of wanted to take take a step back and go through a little bit of a you know, nostalgic trip down memory lane about what it means to some of us old timers here. So, uh, Cameron, <laughs> I, I know you have kind of an interesting story about the uh, e- e- about Evil Dead. Go, why don't you go ahead and kick us off here? Uh, yeah, hopefully. I mean, yeah, just to give you a, a hint at our ages, I think I was the perfect age when Army of Darkness came out, like 11 or 12 when I finally watched it on home video. And yeah, I mean, that movie definitely speaks to that that age and that you know, uh, teen junior high mindset. And I, yeah, I, I, I love that movie. And I remember my slightly older cousins one day being like, you know, it's actually a sequel. You know, there's two other movies before it. I'm like, what? <gasps> Gasp so I, I went down to my video store and I found it. I found evil dead. Um, and I took it home and I watched it and my life, I mean, that, that was a pivotal moment in my life. That movie, I always say is the movie that made me want to make movies. Like I nice. went to film school. I threw away a lawyer's degree or anything else that would have made me rich <laughs> and successful right now to pursue this crazy career because of the evil dead. And I think, I mean, it's just, thanks such Ramey. A, exactly. I know. <laughs> Uh, it's just such a such a fun movie, and I think you know, with a lot of movies saying like, oh well, you can you can feel the filmmaker's presence, you can feel the experience of making the movie in the movie is usually not a positive. That would <laughs> usually be a detriment to a film. But I think like The Evil Dead is the type of movie where it really enhances it. Like you're watching the crazy experience and journey of the characters on screen, but you're kind of feeling what's going on backstage too a lot, especially when 
you're a nerd like me and really kind of dig into the making of it. Um, so I think that's why it made me want to make movies. It just felt like these people were having a blast just going out to a cabin in the woods and throwing fake blood on their friends. Uh, <laughs> and I wanted to spend my life doing that. So That does sound like a lot of fun, dude. I watched, I watched three, and then I watched one. And the only one I had left to watch was Evil Dead 2, which the internets told me was the best of them all. And uh, I went down to my, again to my local video store. They didn't have it. I think the uh, the owner said that people kept stealing it, so she just stopped ordering it. And I'd pester her <laughs> to get it, and I'd come back, and she'd be like, nope, I'm not, I didn't order it. And I'd come back another <laughs> month and be like, you have it yet? Nope, I didn't get it. So remember, I, I forget if this was on air last time, but I lived in a small town in Alaska, Valdez, Alaska. Okay. The nearest big city was six hours away. So I kind of, to, to preface the story, I, I went on my own mythic quest, my own Joseph Campbell's <laughs> hero's journey to track down Evil Dead 2. And any of your listeners who are maybe 25 or younger are going to have no personal personal touch points to this story. I, I am sorry. This is a story from a bygone era. Right? Nothing that I'm about to tell you exists anymore. Because at the time, to find an obscure movie, you had to track down a physical copy. There was no streaming mm-hmm. services with 90% of films on them. So I would go to uh, Anchorage, Alaska with my parents on little trips. And if we were near a video store, I'd, I'd pop in. And be, Evil Dead 2. Do you have Evil Dead 2? Dead by Dawn. Nope. Sorry, kid. Uh, <laughs> many, many times. And I forget why this one time was going to be the time. But I, I made a choice and a decision. That I would find it on this trip. <laughs> so we went to Anchorage, Alaska. Six-hour drive. Um, I had my parents stop. And God bless my parents for putting up with me for this whole journey. I had them stop at... Wait for it, guys. A phone booth. It was oh, this glass wow. box that you would often see on the side of a road with a phone in it. Phone I went in there. I opened booth? up a phone Is that book, how you pronounce that? which was a giant book with everyone's numbers. Can you believe this? Everyone's phone numbers listed. And in the back, there's a place called the Yellow Pages where you could find businesses. I went to V <laughs> for video Next, store. you're going to tell me there's like blue pages or something. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa, now we're getting deep, deep cut. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I, I went, I, I looked up the video stores. I found the video store page. I coughed and ripped the page out just like a scene from a movie. <laughs> I did it. I took that page and I went back to our hotel room and I called up every god dang video store in Anchorage, Alaska. I found, I think, two that had copies and one of wow. them had two copies. So we went down there and we rented the video from the video store. And I took it back home <laughs> and I watched Evil Dead 2. And then I think I actually called them up and was like, Sorry, guys, I lost the tape. Can I pay for it? I, I didn't want to just outright steal it, but I yeah. did pretend to lose it, and I paid for it. I think I even asked them. I had the balls to be like, since I'm paying for it, can I get the cover just so you know I have, can have something <laughs> for my 20 bucks, uh, which I'm sure they saw right through. And I forgot if I ever actually got it, and I think they only had one co- cover left. Anyway, so that was how I finally came to watch Evil Dead 2 after years of wanting to see the sequel to, like, my favorite movie ever made. Wow. Um and I, it was okay. I it was, I it was <laughs> oh man, that's uh, that's surprising. We're gonna we're gonna know, come back to that here in a we'll minute. To, which, yeah, yeah. but also, by the way, I do just want to say, like, there 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 could be an element of uh, just impossible expectations that might have played mm-hmm. into that. I mean, very because... much so. But like that journey, I mean, it did mean so, like you know to find an old movie. I think that was the last time like I had to struggle to find like a movie I wanted to watch. Yeah. Uh, and, and there is something about that journey that, like, yeah, it's it's about the journey, not the destination sometimes. Absolutely. But sometimes you're 100%. Those expectations could come into play. <laughs> yeah, we talk about that all the time where it's like sometimes, you know, I, the more excited I am about a film, the more disappointed I come out of it. You know, we're conversely, if it's like, ah, if I didn't expect anything, I'm like, wow, that was really good. Like, mm-hmm. um, so, you know, expectations do definitely. It's funny that you kind of brought up that um, 
Ryan, I'm going to go to you in a minute, but I just kind of want to like, I'm remembering right now the search for VHS copies of movies that your video store didn't have. Mm -hmm. Uh, That was like a thing. And especially if you go pre-internet days. I mean, at least when the internet came around, you know, you had like eBay, right? And then eBay was just like, oh my God, finally I can get some of these things that I couldn't get before. But yeah, uh, to your point, again, if you wanted to see some of these films. So for me, my version of Evil Dead 2 was actually uh, Hearts of Darkness, the making Mm -hmm. of Apocalypse Now. Mm -hmm. And yeah, it was a film that you just couldn't get anywhere. And I remember just constantly looking for it and scouring video stores and asking like you're talking about and no one had it no one had it no one had it and then yeah finally eventually when ebay came out i got it on ebay um but then it was like well it was almost too easy like it felt like anticlimactic right i loved now granted i loved the movie so like that was uh that was amazing i think for a while i loved it even better than apocalypse now um but also apocalypse now is definitely but uh, apocalypse now is a film that I don't know about you guys, but the first time I watched it, I, I can safely say that was not the film that I expected to get. Um, so it took a while to come around to it. But anyway, so so yeah, just ready that for this? Whole, go for it. Oh my goodness! No, no, yeah, I've never seen Apocalypse. Now. Oh my god! Oh. How about Are that? How about serious, them apples, dude? <laughs> oh my god! I mean, we right? have had some confessions here, but man, I mean, Apocalypse. I always now. Kind of, wow. I always kind of felt like I got it. Like, yeah, I was like, yeah, I get it. Here, here's a cinematic confession. You've seen the best parts in like trailers and monologues. Like, <laughs> right, those are the best God. parts. That's kind of my take on it. <laughs> Dude. Oh, um, man. We may have to do. I don't know. We might have to do like a separate, like, I don't know, episode revisiting this with one or both of you or something. Like, here's the thing, dude. Uh, Apocalypse Now for me, I think there's there's two films that I can think of primarily that are films that I did not love the first time around that were universally respected, but that something about it made me come back to it more than once. And now I'm like officially like fanboy status. Uh, those two films, the first one is Apocalypse Now, as you can imagine. And then the other one is the original. Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. <laughs> right? No? Almost. Oh. Almost. Um, All right. <laughs> uh, God damn it. Now I can't remember the film. Hold on. (laughs) Now I can just think of Bill and Ted's bogus journey because I just watched those films. I just watched all three of them back to not back to back in one night, but over like two weeks leading into the third one. Um, Got it. Excellent. And then the other film was uh, the original Blade Runner, actually. Mm, So, um, yeah, which is which is a movie that, you know, it needs to be looked at through a certain lens to appreciate. And that could sound like I'm justifying it or, you know, making excuses for it. Um, but yeah, if you're there, you know, we'll, we'll get into that in a different episode. Either <laughs> yeah, way, yeah. Ryan, why don't you go ahead and tell us your evil dead story? Well, I mean, for starters, uh, my experience, you know, very much mirrors the two of you guys. Um, except I didn't take a dog sled or seaplane to go get it. <laughs> I always, when you mention Alaska, Cameron, I just always, uh, imagine that that's how you get around. <laughs> mush, I such mush. A, I mean, I'm not, yeah. I'm not going to uh, to refute you. I want you to keep thinking that. <laughs> I mean, if it's any consolation, everyone thinks our cars in Florida run on cocaine. And uh, yeah. well, that's, I mean, that's, a, fact. that's a known fact. Yeah. yeah. Well, it goes. I mean, we mix a little in, but it not really exclusively. So uh, I just don't understand because yeah, it's, it's a, so much more expensive. I don't understand how you guys went down that road. <laughs> <laughs> no, it just washes up on the beach. Here. It's not expensive for us. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I, uh, you know, it's always, you know, right. So it's always the, uh, 
the shittiest video stores that you could go to back then that had the coolest stuff. So the, the more like big and commercialized it was, or if it's in a nice shopping center, um, you know, they never had the cool stuff. Yeah. It was the little slums, uh, the little dive ones, where it was like super compact, mm-hmm. really small. And all the video cassettes were, uh, you know, uh, shoved in like books um, in a library. <laughs> it pretty Not much feels like an nice, adult like a blockbuster. store, right? Well, I mean, <laughs> right. Yeah, some yeah, of them, yeah, like most seedy. of the square footage was reserved for adult films. And they're like, oh, yeah, yeah and here's our like non-X-ray yeah. films over here. <laughs> and they the had corner. like the, the bead curtain, yeah. you know, that yeah. you walk They're through. like, it's in the back. Yeah, yeah. And then you go in the back and you're like, this is three times the size of the front. Maybe the front <laughs> should be the back. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> so um yeah i did see much like yourself cameron i saw the third one first it was introduced to me so i was raised um you know kind of in a christian household and i wasn't allowed to see a lot of things as a kid uh so my awakening kind of came in this era very much like yourself you know 12 13 14 you start getting to a certain age and um uh, all of a sudden you know monty python f- they started doing um five movies five days for five bucks <laughs> at a lot of video yeah, stores for older films and so I was able to, as a nerdy kid, go just load up, you know, with five movies and go watch the entire Godfather trilogy <laughs> at a at a clip, you know, over a weekend. Yeah. Um, and uh, you got to change it, you know, halfway through and put in, di- you know, tape two. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. They come in like the two, two, two tapes. So, uh, yeah. So I watched the the third one first, Army of Darkness, and it was introduced to me as a, you know, more of a comedy. And, um, you know, that was also a time where you're in this inter uh, Mediary, you know, where, you know, because the third one, Jason, and you and I have had talks about this, feels very schlocky. It's yeah. very Looney Tunes-esque. And the humor is way over the top. Sure. And But, you know, at, at 12, 13 years old, that's my wheelhouse. I'm all about that yeah. life. So it really um, played to my my senses at that point. Mm-hmm. And then I wanted to know more about this and where this Ash character was coming from. Because, again, uh, it was introduced to me, you know, there's more to this. Because Army of Darkness was never labeled as a sequel or anything like that per se on the box art. So I didn't know Mm -hmm. Um, it had to kind of, and there was no internet to look this shit up. Yeah. (laughs) So yeah, you had to do your own research. I mean, you really were like your own little Indiana Jones, you know, you had to go on these adventures and figure it all out Mm -hmm. like an archeologist. And um, so, you know, once you find evil Dead two, then you realize that's kind of a then the lines get real blurry because you go, I don't want to watch the second one before the first one. And your friends are like, no, the second one is kind of the first one. And <laughs> then you watch the first one. But uh, yeah, the first one was my it, it was a milestone to me, Cameron, much like yourself, that stood out that stands out to this day uh, as an example that you can do this. Mm-hmm. You can go make films. You can work in this industry because up until that point. It's like, how do you go make Star Wars? How do you go make, you know, um, you know, Indiana Jones or Goonies or any of these larger than life, you know, Back to the Future, or any of these uh, big blockbuster popcorn flicks, Ghostbusters. But then Evil Dead comes around. And, um, you know, there were uh, – Jason, you and I have talked about this a lot where in the 80s, horror um, – around this era was kind of the auteur movement, yeah. right? Because mm-hmm. the auteurs had all graduated the 70s and gone on to make blockbusters in the 80s. And so the new upstarts were your Wes Cravens. They were mm-hmm. your Sam Raimi's. Yeah. These, you know, even the, you know, uh, Coen brothers with Blood Simple. Right. There were all these little thrillers and horrors and whodunits because it was so easy, like you said, Cam, to go grab a camera, go out in the woods and go, you know, throw fake blood on all your friends and have them scream and run around and, you know, put a camera on a plank of wood and chase them around. They don't, when you see, 
see that how these things were done. It seems so simple, but back then they were originating these methods, mm-hmm. and um, and then again, shooting on film this way was even harder. Uh, so because um, digital didn't exist, obviously. So um, you know when you're changing film mags out in a cabin in Tennessee and um, you know, you've only got X amount that you could afford. So you, every shot has to be right or you just get what you get. Mm-hmm. So the flaws are a part of the art mm-hmm. and um, you got to hide that and the cuts and all of or that. Or embrace so, it. Yeah. Or embrace <laughs> it. Yeah. And that's why you get a lot of schlocky horror that doesn't make a lot of sense in a certain area or you could pick out these mistakes that, you know, you just kind of cherish those yeah. and, and uh, really look fondly on them. Um, and, and a lot of these directors have gone on to do big, big things. And, and, got, and again, the, the, the auteurs of the 80s now are making blockbusters in the 90s. So you have Wes Craven making Scream, which is a huge success yeah. and mm-hmm. starts a whole franchise and scary movie. And Sam Raimi goes on to initiate the superhero movement. Yep. Aside from, you know, Tim Burton's Batman um, and maybe some uh, Christopher Reeve stuff, you got uh, Spider-Man that comes out and blows the doors off the industry and shows Marvel could make a substantial uh, superhero film. And now Sam Raimi's coming back to us. This episode is dropping on the doorstep of... Uh, his return to cinema as a director, uh, which we have not seen in many years since The Great and Powerful Oz uh, with uh, Multiverse of Madness and Doctor Strange. So, um, And also his return to uh, hopefully some horror uh, elements mm-hmm. as well. So anyway, that's my experience. And um, I, I love all three of these movies almost equally. Okay. Um, I think, Jason... Um, I'm going to say that I like Army of... I think, Cameron, you'll agree with me. We had a talk before the show that uh, that we like uh, Army of Darkness, I think, a little bit more than you. Um, okay. Yeah, definitely. Well, we'll yeah, yeah we'll, we'll, we'll come back to that and formalize it in just a moment. So, yeah, yeah. for my experience, it was funny because I actually... So, you know, I, I, grow, I live in a suburb of Los Angeles, and uh, we had actually... By the time I got... Because I was late to, to horror. I didn't really get into horror until... Uh, you know, late high Same. school, let's mm-hmm. say or so. And honestly, yeah. and so that's actually what the Evil Dead trilogy means to me is the Evil Dead movie. So you could argue that the seed was set by Gremlins because Gremlins was like the <laughs> only really horror-ish movie that I ever really got into. And again, it's we're going to see this as a theme, which Gremlins is kind of a horror comedy, right? Um, and, you know, Evil Dead 2 specifically, you could mention is definitely and then Army of Darkness later. So, uh yeah, there's just there's something about when, you know, the when the horror comedy stuff works, it's just it's perfect. But anyway, so for me, I remember it was uh, when blockbusters were all the rage. Right. You had blockbuster and you had Hollywood video and uh, blockbusters. Started, late 90s, yep. mid 90s. Yeah, yeah. Mid, mid to late 90s for sure. I would say probably later, but um, 97. ish. Yeah. And so late to the game. Yeah, 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 definitely. Well, you know, uh, you got a few years on me, too, as well. So you got to take that into account. <laughs> rub that in <laughs> um, so yeah and Blockbuster was doing like you'll be talking to me through the Necronomicon before this podcast is over <laughs> I'm that old <laughs> but it was one of these things where Blockbuster was doing like three films for five bucks right like they would do sometimes and I had heard about this Evil Dead franchise the Sam Raimi guy and really I think it was like so I had a a friend that lived on the street at the time and she had like an older brother and he was really into Army of Darkness and he had rented it and he was like showing me the poster and talking about it and it was funny too because he was talking about how it was all like wicked and blah 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 and this and that (laughs) and so like when I finally watched it later I was like what the hell was he talking about way back then right because um, it's one of those things that stick with you, you know, like you're 12 and like the 15 year old guys talking to you. You're like, whoa. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyways, yeah, I ended up uh, I'm pretty sure that guy got arrested at 17, by the way. Wasn't a good cat. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, <laughs> so I actually rented all three of those and then spent like the entire Friday night 
like watching one, two, and three back to back. And I remember it was like at the time, you know, my parents had recently redone their bedroom and they had put like the, you know, their what at the time was probably like a 27 inch tube or something, right? Like it was before (laughs) flat screen and stuff. And they had built like a little ledge in like the upper corner of the room so that they could like watch TV from the bed. And I was like, hey, can I borrow the bed for the night? They were like, Sure. Yeah. And they were probably happy to get the living room back or something like that. Either way, and just spent like one and a half, three, four and a half to five hours watching all three movies back to back. And it was, yeah, it was one of those things where I had never gotten into horror. I had tried watching Friday the 13th. I thought it was fucking stupid. Uh, I tried watching one or two other ones. I watched Halloween, which to this day, I'm still underwhelmed by Halloween. Like, it's fine. I don't know if it's mm-hmm. because, you know, maybe had I seen it when it came out and that was not a template that had been done a thousand times. Maybe I would have been more into it, but either way. So, you know, underwhelmed by Halloween, underwhelmed by Friday the 13th, really, really got into Evil Dead. And that's also where I sort of realized what kind of horror fan I was as well. Because like I said, I had tried some of these. So I realized I wasn't really super into the slashers and I was really into more like the creature features. So anything with like monsters, demons, ghosts, all that sort of stuff, right? Where it's this, it's almost like there's an element of creativity that gets mixed into the horror, right? It's less inspired by real life like a slasher film is and it's more inspired by fantasy right but it's like dark fantasy so and then yeah and just well makeup effects in general i mean they're just makeup effects are always so fun absolutely yeah and that's the thing you know watching the claymation and i you know even to this day i love claymation right that was a thing that sort of uh you know from harryhausen in the 60s and 70s through to like you know, the whole 90s claymation motion from, you know, Ugly Kid Joe to Clay Fighter, if you guys remember that game. <laughs> oh, yeah, I do. <laughs> right? Uh, so I owned it. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, you know, all-time classic Nightmare Before Christmas. So, yeah, very formative experience from the Evil Dead series. And that would, I think, continue and, you know like I said, realizing that I loved Joe Dante. And then actually I really do like the nightmare on Elm street series. And that was when I got to later Same. because I thought it was going to be more slasher. And then all of a sudden I'm like, Whoa, dude, like we're, we're talking dreams and like Freddie, you know, especially you get into the sequels and Freddie's ginormous. And you know, like, <laughs> you know, you got new nightmare where like this, you know, possessed hands coming to life on set. And it's like, dude, this shit's dope. Like I can wig get into this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, no Craven and uh, England, uh, added a, a, a level of panache to the horror series with the nightmare uh, on Elm street series that, you know, Jason, Michael Myers, all this stuff, you know, they were just thugs roaming around yeah. in the woods, slashing kids that were having sex and tents. And then you had Freddie and the, the ante just raised. And, and um, so nightmare on Elm street was definitely up there with me, but you also uh, had Clive Barker, which I was a big fan mm-hmm. of with like Lord of, Lord of Illusions mm-hmm. and Hellraiser and all these things. So um, because he added a um, psychological element to it and um, and the sh- and the stakes were real. It wasn't mm-hmm. just a knife through the back or whatever. I mean, it was legit. Your and, eternal uh, soul. That, right, <laughs> right. So, um, you know, but unwinding it, uh, you know, this was kind of the gateway for me. Uh, Evil Dead in Army of Darkness and all that. Yeah. Because it was accessible. It was funny. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was fun. Um you know, Ash was a fun character and mm-hmm. and his wit and his humor. And it, it, so it it was able to bring me into that horror world, if you want to call it horror, which I would. Yeah, absolutely. Um, in a comedic way that was easily digested for my 12, 13, 14-year-old kid brain. Yeah, exactly. So without, like, you know, heavy scarring and trauma and nightmares and all of that. This was uh, 
an easily accessible way for me to get in. And it, and, and, it, and it continued forth to this day because I think, you know, uh, at yeah. the beginning of this season, you know, we kicked it off with Dead Alive. At the beginning! Uh, <laughs> and yeah, I think Evil Dead 2, you know, kind of shares that same spirit, that horror comedy. Oh, yeah. Right. You know, it's almost like a living cartoon, you know, uh, and it really captures mm-hmm. that. So let's go ahead and let's wrap up this uh, little segment here by sort of giving us, uh, or rather giving the audience, our one, two, three in terms of our rankings of the film. And again, as our esteemed guest, Mr. Harrison, why don't you kick us off? All right. So from favorite to least favorite, I'd go Evil Dead 1 is my favorite, maybe just because it means the most to me, but I I love Evil Dead 1. Second one is Army of Darkness. Super, super fun. Third, I don't dislike Evil Dead 2 by any means. I enjoy Evil Dead 2, but I feel like it's a little more uneven where like, oh, here's the horror part and here's the funny scene. Oh, okay. Um, And again, it could be a big expectations playing into it but one three two interesting it's funny that you say that because actually i feel like for me it's flipped where i feel that way about army of darkness and and i think that evil dead 2 actually balances them out really well so uh ryan why don't you give us your ranking here yeah i mean i'll uh I'll kind of hang true with Cameron on this one. I think I'm going to go uh, one, three, two. Interesting. Interesting. So, yeah. So for me, wow. So, okay. So my favorite to least favorite, we've got right at the top with a bullet, man. Evil Dead 2. Like, I don't even, I don't even understand how this is at the bottom. (laughs) Evil Dead 2 for me is a top 10 film probably of all time. I mean, I adore that film and it's a film that I have. It's probably one of the top five films I've seen the most. Uh, it's definitely one of those films that I discovered in my, you know, when I really embraced cinema and and just started moving past like the the Kubricks and and you know all of the people that you're initially in, uh, you know, ingratiated with, mm-hmm. and then started to get into some of like the more cult stuff, right? Um, because I wasn't really into genre when I was younger. It was genre of filmmaking. Was because I was, I'll be the first to admit, man, like I definitely was subscribed to the school of like film critics will tell me what to like and how I should think about film. Right. And so, yeah, if there was a film that was like, you know, considered dumb by the film community, like I would never watch it. Right. Because, I mean, I'm an esteemed filmmaker. I'm not now I'm like, dude, fuck that, dude. Like uh, if I want to see some stupid shit get blown up, like. I mean, I can, I could, I could sit here and I could get artsy as fuck over here on the one end, and then I can enjoy my dumb action or horror on the other end, and it's like there's room for all, you know. Yeah. Sometimes you want. To... We started a whole podcast based on that. <laughs> exactly, man. Like sometimes you want the, you know. Sometimes you'll make a point to go get the fifty dollar filet mignon from Ruth's Chris, and sometimes you're just gonna go get a double double from In and Out for five bucks, and like both of those can just be as satisfying depending on where you're at, you know. Totally. I don't know if Double Double still go for five bucks or not. It's probably a little more expensive. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to find out next weekend, yeah, buddy. Yeah, yeah. Ryan's coming down. So happy Ooh. or over wherever it works. Yep. I always say everyone always comes down from wherever, even if they're coming up or something. So, oh, yeah, he's coming down from Mexico. Like, no, he's coming up. Either way. Yeah, so um, that's about it for our feature here on Evil Dead. Guys, appreciate you chatting uh, chatting it up here with us. Cameron, thanks for joining us again. Anytime. Uh, once again, for anybody listening, uh, Green Shirt Podcast. And that can be found on all of your streaming platforms, including whichever one is your one. favorite. <laughs> so we're going to go ahead and uh, kick it over to our good friends for their feature, Eric and Javon's Pros and Cons. King Arthur and the Knights of the Round Table is a story that's been around since the 14th century. In a time where honor meant everything and making sense meant nothing, we have yet another 
King Arthur Lancelot story. Join us as we retail this tale for the 87th time and go out of our way to make absolutely no goddamn sense whatsoever. This time, who do we have joining us for this challenge? Is it Lancelot? Nah. Uh, what about Merlin? He was busy. Uh, do we have any name brand knights whatsoever? Uh, no. Anyway, if you want brave knights, we don't have them. What we do have is a disjointed multicultural cast and a story that doesn't make any goddamn sense. Unless you're on peyote hanging out with whoever magical foxes are in the forest. I did like the fox though. Join us as we break down the pros and cons of the Green Knight. And if you're more confused than you were when we started, then we nailed it. Hey, thanks for joining us at Eric and Jay Vaughn's Pros and Cons. My name is Jay Vaughn, along with my host, I'm Eric. And we are breaking down esoteric movies so you don't have to. Today we took the honor of the Green Knight. I don't know how much of an honor it was. The honor was all theirs indeed. Uh, this is a tale of a 14th century uh, King Arthur and the Knights of the Round Table. There's been various offshoots, WB movies, all kinds of stuff on this. It is an artistic reinterpretation of an old-ass story that nobody cared about when it was written. I gotta say, when it was written, it was the, uh, what was going on in the uh, 1300s? Uh, I think there was a lot of black lung. Uh, plague. Plague. Uh, murder. So, murder. Invasion, Vikings. I think there was some uh, tumultuous times, if I'm not mistaken. Plunder. Let's just say that if you had an imagination and you could write these stories, probably. But they have no business still being around uh, in my mind. Uh, we're going to go join King Arthur yet once again as the most uh, impoverished, uh, sickly King Arthur that we've seen. I don't know that he was impoverished as much as he was just old. Like, we joined this story. He's old. Very old. I, I don't know. So my pros and cons about this movie. Pros, uh, sure, it was aesthetically pleasing. The movie had its uh, some of the the scenes that were shot, some of the costumes. That part of it was great. Uh, somebody actually took some time to put that shit together and make it look pretty good. Uh, the rest of the movie, hot garbage. Uh, I would rather watch Spiral again than have to go through five oh, more leave, minutes of this movie. Leave Chris Rock alone. I will agree with you that this movie was well shot. You could have uh, paused this movie at almost any point, and it was very artistically done. It was very beautifully done. Uh, so I'll agree with you on the pro that its cinematography uh, was beautiful. Con for me was character development. We wake up, we join Cowain uh, uh, as the lesser known, uh, one of the, the lesser known The characters. black sheep of the family. They didn't, con for me, they didn't do enough character development. Absolutely, I agree. I, it took me 15 minutes and about 20 minutes of Googling stuff to figure out what the hell we were watching. Uh, they really went in some weird directions with this movie. Very, very strange directions. Yeah, and that direction is not making sense. Uh, we really didn't know who anybody was. We tried our best to uh, figure out who the characters were. It's like watching a, uh, picking a random season of Game of Thrones and having somebody jump you right in the middle of it. You really don't know who he is. You have to put together that the, uh, his mom, who looks like Edward James almost, uh, almost looks like Edward James almost, and... Uh, <laughs> You have no idea how much work you put into pronouncing that correctly. Yes. I just found out it wasn't almost, that it was utmost. I don't know. In any event. He has a long history of doing that. You really did have to do like some some forensic detective, forensic. Get it out. Forensic detective work in order to figure out who the characters were and what they meant. Con for me. So the whole thing is 
He kills the knight. The knight returns the blow a year later. We'll get more into that. But he even says, if you scratch me, that's what you get. He decides to cut his head off. Who the hell does that? So what Eric is referring to is that a part of the movie, uh, and this is also a you know con for making sense, the whole part of the movie is that the Green Knight comes into a room full of knights and says, I have this challenge for you. And the challenge is anybody that can strike a blow on me will get my axe, but I get to do the same thing to you later. Uh, and at this point of the movie, Gualtry speaks up in a room full of knights. We're like, nah, I don't, I don't see the upside here. Uh, Gualtry steps up and says, is it Gualtry or no, that's the no, chief bacon. Yeah, that's you're, the chief you're, bacon. you're way off. Go Wayne, go, go Wayne. Wayne. You get this. He steps up like, yeah, I'm your Huckleberry. And the king is like, are you sure? Like, did you understand that? Like, there's no upside here. You have to meet this guy in Christmas and he's going to do whatever you did to him. To, no, no, no. I got it. I got it. He proceeds to cut the Green Knight's head off. At this position, I walk up and tap the guy on the forehead with the back of the, of the blade. And we're done. I get your axe. I get the superpowers. And next week, you get to bonk me in the head. Win-win. You don't cut the guy's head off. That's stupid. Absolutely. Especially when that guy picks up his severed head, throws it on his horse, and rides off like the headless horseman laughing into the night. Uh, so you know you fucked up. When Christopher Walken shows up. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah Absolutely. <laughs> It just didn't make, I, I got to say, con for me, it just didn't see uh, why anybody was doing any of the things that he did. Uh, basically, he accepted this challenge. So what, why did he even accept the challenge? I, I mean, to, I can't even see. To gain favor with the king. He wasn't really a part of it. He was the black sheep. His mama was, I don't know. It, it, none of it made sense to me at all. This movie is two hours and ten minutes long, which is about two hours and eight minutes too much. Uh do me a, a, a quick montage of all the great cinematography, and then boom, we're out of here. Save yourself the time. This movie is trash. Khan, for me, was also the way that they put it together. Uh, there's a certain point where he goes. He goes to meet the Green Knight uh, for his scheduled beheading, and he basically flinches before beheading, as any of us would. And uh, Well, so those of us who are cowards would. My, apparently, my co-host would just stand there and take a beheading because uh, he vowed it. You bet cash, so, you lose cash, you pay cash. I'm just saying. I'll keep that in mind. I'll be flinching and leaving, which is exactly <laughs> what Gawain did. Gawain flinched, then left, then lived out his whole entire life, and then we blink, and he's back at that moment. And he's like, ah, I'm ready to die now. Basically, this is two and a half hours of learning he's a pussy. If being a, if that me, if that's what you are when you don't want to be beheaded, sure. Uh, for me, this is a really deep cut on a very boring uh, movie. I, I think if, if in the 14th century, this was probably great storytelling. Uh, we have way too many options. I, I would rather uh, listen to Darius Rucker uh, play piano. I don't know. Wow. Yeah, that was really a deep dive there. Yes. I'll just stick with my Spiral. I'd rather watch Spiral. That's how bad I hated this movie. Fair enough. Spiral is better than this movie. You know that what? Is where we One thing I never thought I'd say, Spiral is actually better than this movie. Pro, this movie is, no, uh, pro for Spiral. I'm going to go back. All right. Yeah, pro for Spiral is that it's not Green Knight. Uh, I, I really uh, am glad that we have some movies that we enjoy. This was not one of them. If you did say you enjoyed it, it's because you're trying to act like you're more artsy than everybody else. Nobody would do this to themselves on purpose, and I really think it was a prank uh, for this guy who to get back. Who funded this movie? I think it must have got their leg hump pretty damn hard. Somebody's parents who sent somebody to film school that doesn't have talent. That's right. I said it. You heard it first. I'll never watch The Green Knight again. I don't like The Green Ranger from uh, Voltron anymore. Uh, the Green Lion, the Green Lantern. I don't like green lights. 
yeah, I I I I don't I I can't say enough about how much this movie was not for me. Uh, if you did like it, you know, get the help you need. I agree with him. Okay, well, that wraps it up, guys. I decided to spare you the English accent on the outro here. Instead, I'll just give you my usual high-pitched nasally whine, which apparently is better from what people tell me, though I don't quite believe them. Thanks so much for joining us here for another bonus episode of Esoterica Cinema. Hopefully you guys are digging what we're doing with this. Uh, Like I said, we did want to just sort of take some time out to... Just do a little bit of, you know, talking about film as a whole and as a high-level concept instead of just really getting into the nitty-gritty, trying to do a couple, you know, I don't think we really did any character work on this one uh, today. Well, no, we did with the English accent, but um, yeah, just, you know, trying some improv stuff out and hopefully having a good time. So if there's anything that you would like to see on these or moving forward, you're free to reach out to us. Got a number of different places where, of course esotericacinema at gmail.com for all muffin and crepe related inquiries we've got the twitter and the instagram at esotericacinema and then there's ryan and myself individually ryan where can people find you on twitter at the ryan seabold and on instagram at ryan underscore seabold and i'm on twitter and instagram as well at jason aberrant one b two r's Thank you so much for joining us once again on this bonus episode. We are going to be back next week with a traditional movie and breakdown for you. Next year. We'll see you then. Happy New Year, everybody. We made it. Yeah. Happy New Year. We did. We made it through another one. It was dicey there for a minute, but we did. And we appreciate you guys sticking around with us. We will see you again on our next episode of Esoterica Cinema.